Thank you for joining us for another great show. We have another great guest with us today. We have Hector Supici. 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 Very good. Awesome. Got it right the first time. Awesome. I did, didn't I? Yes. <laughs> well, hey, I appreciate you coming on the show. Tell us a little bit about yourself. What, what got you into the business and where are you from? Well, I was born in Uruguay. Okay. And um, that's deep south in right. South America. And um, what got me into what I do right now, basically, it's, uh, you know how they say invention is the mother of all necessity? Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, I need it to change careers because my body couldn't take my work anymore. I worked construction for 30 years, travel 45 weeks out of the year, and my shoulders, my back are just gone. So I'm using now the 30-some years experience I have to do home inspections and realty, and uh, it's working out great. Awesome. So you got into the business originally in home inspections, right? Well, I got into the business originally working, um, building houses. Okay. And then I went from there. I, I did all the levels you can possibly think of in about 15 years. Then I became a site inspector, and then I worked for different companies, and then I worked for the gas company as an inspector, always inspecting sites and buildings and so on and so forth. And now I own my own inspection company. Okay. So um, with all of your experience and in, in, uh, coming into the industry, what do you think makes you unique in home inspections and, and real estate? What makes you stand out? Well, right off the bat, with home inspections, you don't have to know anything about houses to go and study to become a home inspector. And, you know, within a year or so, you have your license. Right. Having 30 years of construction experience makes a whole difference. You decide, you want, you want a chef to inspect your home or you want a construction guy to inspect your home. And then with that, going into realty, for me, it's really easy just to pass it along to my clients without charging. Because when you go get a home inspection, you pay four or $500 and more if the house is bigger. So people that work with me as my clients, they don't have to pay me because I already have the license. I know how to do the work, so it's free. And who doesn't like free? Right. <laughs> That's, that is a nice savings for sure. Right. Nice savings. Absolutely. So growing up in, in um, where you were and coming here, it's Uruguay, right? That's right. Um, and coming here, did you come here as a kid or as an adult? When did that happen? Well, I was in Uruguay until I was almost 17 years old. Okay. And uh, my dad was in the Navy. He was stationed there. My family is Italian. And he served almost 50 years. Then we moved to Canada with a hat family. And then I finished growing up there, went to high school and did the whole thing. And then in 2002, I moved to the States. Okay. And... Um, be also because of my body condition the weather doesn't help when it's very cold so i had to find a warm place to live and hawaii was taken so <laughs> arizona was next in my budget <laughs> that's awesome man that's a uh, interesting so you guys you said your family is italian right okay um so in the military there and was he was he uruguayan military what what where were we at here he i don't know much because uh my, he died when i was 10 years old i didn't get to know him that well I just know what I've read or what I've seen from him. He was in the Uruguayan um, army, but he was a communications person. So um, a portion of our home was his office and he had all kinds of communication devices. I don't know what he did and he never talked about it. And if we asked, he gave us one of those looks like, none of your business. So we just left it at that, but I know he served almost his whole life, so. Okay, yeah. okay. So um, as a kid, I mean, what, what inspired you? What, what did you want to be when you grew up? What, what, what did that look like for you? Well, I wanted to be a soccer player. Okay. You know, uh, <laughs> my, uh, my grandfather uh, coached the national team in Uruguay. Okay. And they were the um, Alberto Cepici, if you look it up. Um, he was the first world champion 
for the World Cup in 1930. 1930. And um, I've always read about it. There were schools and streets and things that said Sapisi when I was a kid, a stadium. And I didn't know what it was. I didn't know what it meant. But now it kind of makes me proud of my family. And um, so I always wanted to. I had a natural ability to play soccer that helped. But with the move, you know, when I went to Canada, soccer is not the thing. So I kind of gave it up. But that's what I kind of always wanted to do. Okay. Yeah. You still got that passion? I do. I'm, I'm waiting to turn 50 in a couple months so I can join a league. And uh, okay. yeah, I'm working out toward that. Oh, awesome. So there, there you go, man. Yes, still, it's never too late, right? Nope. There we go. Nope. Cool. Cool. Um, so I guess in your in your approach to real estate, who are you looking to serve? Like, what are your what do your clients look like? I really I don't want this to sound bad, but I really want to serve my community. I identified a lot with the people I grew up with, you know, Spanish people. And uh, I know there is a need for agents that can speak both languages. Um, preferably well so that you can translate some of the documents that are harder to translate in, into Spanish or back into English. And there's not a lot of that. There's a lot of realtors that speak Spanish, but when you put legal documents in front of you, speaking a language is a very different thing. And um, I um, also worked as an immigration translator of legal documents for years, and uh, that helps me a lot with this part of it. And uh, and my community is in my heart, you know. I, so yeah. Okay, I appreciate that. So um, the the translation was that in Canada? That was in Canada. Okay. Yeah. How, what, what did that look like? So there was a lot of people coming from. Like, I guess Central and South America come into Canada, or what is that? What's that yeah, in the uh, mid to late 90s, there's a lot of issues with South America and dictatorships, and Uruguay finished theirs in 1989, mm -hmm. and um, a lot of countries continued for a bunch of years after that, and there was a lot of people leaving, and uh, it was fun for me to translate, because some of the stories, they were just right, BS, right. and some of them were wild. But some guys said, you know, to parachute into Canada because they were being persecuted from Nicaragua or these places. And I'm looking at this as a translator and I'm thinking my job is to translate, you know, not to interpret <laughs> anything else. But uh, uh, it was a fun job because of that. Some of the stuff people came up with, it was funny. But wow. there was a lot of it, a lot of it. I, I was working night and day. Wow. Wow. I appreciate you sharing that, man. Parachuting, huh? All the way from, uh, all the way from Central America. Some, uh, uh, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, nobody parachutes into Canada. You, know? you just <laughs> walk in or fly. You know? Right, right. Uh, awesome. Um, so again, I want to kind of go back to the to the childhood. Um, you know, I guess when when you think about who who inspired you, um, what was that? Who was that when as a kid? Who did you look up to? Well, <clears throat> growing up without a dad, it was hard to find heroes. To be honest with you, because I really wanted to know him well. Um, once he died, we had access to that attic. And there was so much stuff there, um, war, old war stuff and books that he kept, drawings. I found out he sculpted, painted, and, and drew really well. And um, it was hard for me not to want to get to know him, you know. And uh, as I grew up and I had kids, that grew even more. I wish I could have a chat with my dad right now and say, you know, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? Because um, I have certain abilities that I never studied for, like drawing and painting, for example. Um, my daughters now, they both have the same thing. They just pick up watercolors, oils, and they just paint. And I put some stuff on Instagram for people to check out. And uh, we got all that from our family, and I know nothing about him. So I think he was my hero in many ways. Uh, he was a rough man, don't get me wrong. You know, dads in the 70s, and uh, they were not chatty people. They're just, 
explain with the right hand. So, uh, but yeah, that's uh, it. Would be him, I guess. He he did a lot with his life, and I know nothing about it. So, it's interesting. Um, you know, I kind of not the same. You know, I never really had my dad in the picture, but it's always that wonder: like, am I doing this right? Am I am I doing what I need to do as a father? Right. So I, I feel that. I feel that. Appreciate you sharing that. Um, just uh, digging back into your, your business, um, you know, as you go about your days and you're working through people and working with people, and then you have people on the outside looking in, what do you think they're, they're, they think of you or what is the misconception they have about what you do or is there a misconception about what you do? Um, I had this misconception before I became a realtor that it was a simple thing. Okay. Yeah, you just go to school, just take the 90 hours, you'll be fine, and you don't have a clue of what you're doing. It's pretty much just like anything else that requires some kind of a license or something that people tell you, ah, uh, eight weeks and you, it's not like that at all. It's, uh, it's something that demands some respect. You have to know what you're doing to represent people. And um, I didn't know that until I got into it and my, my respect for realtors in general grew a hundredfold after I went through it myself. And sometimes when I talk to people, I kind of wish they went through it so they'll understand how hard it is to get your license in any discipline, especially when it comes to realty or home inspections and things of that way. What you say really matters and you can hurt somebody with hundreds of thousands of dollars and pretty much ruin their life. So um, yeah, you have, to, you have to really know where you belong in that so that if you don't start at the bottom, you'll never grow. Um, so I don't know much um, as far as anything else, but with what I do, right. I'm an expert. Right. I appreciate you sharing that because um, I, I think a lot of times it's because realtors don't seem see that as well. Maybe they've been around too long, but yeah, there is a it's, it's a big deal, right? I guess when you're looking at it, understanding that you're brand new, how do you navigate that with your with your clients? Understanding that you're well, new? the brand new part mm, that's kind of it depends how you look at it because I've been in the business for 32 years now. I just haven't had a license to sell homes. So when it comes to um, serving a person or knowing what I'm doing, I have more experience than most people. Um, I just happened to get my license here in Arizona, you know, recently, but um, it doesn't really affect what I can do and how I can do it compared to other people that have the license for 10 years. That makes sense. Plus, you know, you, you have a lot of backup on the back end, right? With Absolutely. All so there you go. Awesome. Um, I guess in, what, what does your day consist of? Um, in the morning when you're trying to juggle these two things, like how does that look? What does it start off for you? Where do you begin? Um, well, as far as work goes, you know, I, I start my day thanking God and I end my day the same way every day. But as far as work goes, I, I will go and check my email and see what, whether I have to schedule somebody for an appointment regarding the home inspection company or I have a client regarding the realty company. Uh, beyond that, I spend a lot of time teaching both my daughters that are 14 and 15. Uh, one of them deals with uh, contracts, and she writes them on the computer. I've been teaching them for a couple of years now. Okay. And the, uh, the oldest one deals with the homes, describing um, everything that builds a home, the type of home, the type of walls, the type of floors, and so on and so forth. And, uh, and I pay them, you know, every week um, okay. for the work so they can learn how to work and what it takes to make money. We had rough weeks in the past five years where they didn't make any money mm. because we didn't have enough work to pay them. 
and uh, and they miss it. They're like, oh, I'm not making any money this week. And I said, yeah, exactly. So interesting. Uh, they're learning to save money, and so I I do everything I do to answer your question um, around my family and around my business. Um, and uh, right now we're just looking to grow a little bit more. That's it. I appreciate that. Um, that's great, great advice. I, I like that. I kind of had my my mind rolling about some things that we could do at home. Um, and I appreciate also saying that you can't really do You can't build your business around your family, right? You can't make those things um, a priority and, and make it work. Cool. Yeah, Thank you. So, and speaking about money um, and teaching your kids how to do that, what will, what would be the most interesting way that you made money, or ever have ever made? That money? I have ever yeah. made money. Um, when I was a little kid and my father died, we had to move with my grandmother uh, for two years. She lived in a farm, and um, we had to uh, learn the farm ways. We, we were city boys up to that point, and I was only 10 years old. Uh, my, gra my grandmother was extremely poor, and uh, she didn't have anything, so we had to work to help. Not only on the farm, we had to work outside of the farm. So we sold candy. You know, we, um, we got up on a bus, and... Uh, and give a speech, you know, we have this awesome candy, you know, it's this much, and you have to walk the bu uh, bus back and forth. And that was just about the most terrifying thing for me to do, uh, speaking in public. It was really, really hard. It's hard when you're little, you know. So um, I learned a lot, you know. Uh, you have to take people going, ah, oh, that's so cute, and other people going, oh, what an idiot. <laughs> you have to take it all in, and then you learn to, your, your skin thickens as you go. Uh, so by the time I became an adult and um, I became a, a, a minister uh, in 1996, I was used to being, you know, challenged or speaking in public, and and that helped me a ton with that. So that was an interesting way of making money. Interesting. I appreciate that. I love the candy selling stories. That's kind of what I did growing up too. Did you? Yeah, man. I love <laughs> what I do. So cool. Thank you. Um, so you said you mentioned being in the ministry. Um, are you still yeah. active in, at doing that or you kind of put that on the back burner? Well, this past year, because of my children's age, you know, girls, 14 and 15, I decided that it was best for me to just take a sabbatical and, and concentrate in my home and my marriage and my kids because uh, they're a very crucial age. Uh, I've never been the father of a 15-year-old before. So every time something happens, you know, it's something new for me. So... Um, two companies to run and a ministry plus a family, you have to know where to say, I'm, uh, I'm up to my neck here. So um, there's ministers that can handle ministry work. Nobody can handle my family because it's mine. And nobody's going to run my companies like me. So those were the two choices I had. And uh, so for the past year, we have church at home every Sunday, just like if it was a regular church. But it's just my daughters and my wife and I. And... Um, I'm trying to help them with the next few years I have before they go on their own, and hopefully it'll stick. Cool. Appreciate that. Is there anything that you regret? Regret. Or would you redo? Um, back to my dad, I guess. Um, I don't know if it's for me to regret, but um, it's more of a wish. I wish he had more life in him um, so we can have some chats about things, you know, but... Other than that, you know, I was happy for everything I went through. There were some really, really hard things to go through as a kid, to be honest with you. But um, it, it made me me, so I can't really change that because I kind of like my experience. So, I appreciate that. Thank you. Sure. Um, 
Uh, you mentioned earlier that you love to read. Um, I love I asking people about their, their reading preferences and things that have touched them. Um, love if you share something that maybe you've read in your life that touched you. And uh, yeah, I've read a lot in my life. I, I, um, I got a, there's a book called Men in the Arena. In this book, uh, it's more, I want to grab the title as a segue to something that really impacted my life. But this book is about a Somalian soccer player and some of the struggles he goes through and how he grows out of that and what he becomes. But the men in the arena part is taken from uh, uh, FDR um, president here who in 1910 gave this speech that I don't know if you heard of before. It's called um, the men in the arena. That wasn't the title of the speech, but there's a portion of that speech um, that I have here that I want to read to you. Just give me a quick second. And it says, it is not the critic who counts, nor the man who points out, sorry, that pops on my phone, uh, how the strong men stumbled or where the doer uh, of good deeds have, um, have done better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, who faces marred with dust and sweat and blood, who steers valiantly, who errs, who comes short again and again because there is no effort without error and shortcoming, but he does actually strive to do the deed, who knows the great enthusiasm, the great devotion, who spends himself in the worthy cause, who at best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement, and who at worst, if he fails, at least while daring greatly, he fails so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who know neither victory nor defeat. And that quote from this president hit me like a ton of bricks the, the first time I hit it because it talks about a person who struggles through things so that he can grow and become um, something, become what he is. And I can relate to that because I struggle a lot. English is not my first language, obviously. And um, I struggled to learn it as an older person. And um, I used to record myself, you know, speaking English. And I used to grab a Spanish Bible and an English Bible and read both. And one of the hardest things you can do when you're speaking a language is recording yourself and then listen to yourself. It's demoralizing, depressing, but if you go through it, Year after year after year, you'll get better and better and better until you get to the point where you want to be. But it says here, if, even if you don't make it, at least you tried, and no one can take that away from you. So that quote, you know, is one of the ones I use for me. Uh, but my, um, my favorite book of all is the Bible. And the book of Proverbs talks about, um, Proverbs 21, verse 13 says, If you shut your ear to the cry of the poor, you too will cry and not be answered. And that also, you know, pushes me through every day in my life. Because when I see people struggling, all I have to do is remember when I was struggling and I wish somebody would give me a hand. And it makes you move. It makes you go. So, hey, I appreciate that. That was, that was great. Um, just great advice and great way to, to wrap things up. I appreciate you coming on today. Thank you so much. Um, where can we find you? Uh, you can get me on my phone number at 480-431-9530, or you can go on our website at myhsrealtor.com. We're on Instagram, we're on Facebook, everything under my name, Hector Sapisi. Uh, that's the easiest way. We're everywhere. So thank you for having me. I appreciate it. I appreciate you coming on. It's been fun. Thanks. Thank you, sir. Yeah.